Hi, I'm Daryl Fenton, uh, class of 2015, and you're watching Dingo Talk. What's going on, Chuckleheads? Happy holidays and Merry Christmas from all of us here at Dingo Talk. I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk alumni tour, and our guest this week from all the way across the pond, Daryl Fenton. Uh, Daryl is a man you take with a grain of salt, wears a lot of his emotions on his sleeves, um, very passionate, very charismatic. He's turned that into a profession and a career in law. Uh, we're going to talk about boxing. We're going to talk about his time at Bethany. We're going to talk about the things that he's done after Bethany. I do have to warn, there is some colorful language. There's some viewpoints and whatnot that do not align with what the show is about. Uh, but the authentic part about this show is what you see is what you get. It's an authentic person. And Daryl Fenton is that. He is authentic as can be. Um, so, uh, Callum and Emmett, if you watch this, talk to Daryl. I didn't say anything about you, but that he definitely has some things to say. Um, and to the rest of everyone, thank you for watching. I hope you have a great holiday. And without further ado, Daryl Fenton, class of 2015. Chuckleheads, I am Carla Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. As you can see with my sweater, Daryl did not decide to join us. My guest, Daryl Fenton, class of 2015. Uh, Daryl, welcome to the show. It looks like you're in very nice weather and not in, up here. I just, firstly, I don't appreciate you coming for me is I'm atheist, firstly. You know, I don't celebrate Christmas, but happy Kwanzaa. And secondly, it's fucking 97 degrees here. I am not wearing a fucking sweater while I'm sat on my balcony. I'm sweating me bollocks off in a vest. So I, you don't have to apologize, but I'll take the apology. Like, So let's jump right into this. Daryl, how does a guy from across the pond end up in Brook County? In Brook County? So back in 2010, I was working as a baker and a bouncer sounds like the start of a nurse run baker and a bouncer and a boxer but um i was a baker boxer and bouncer and um regrettably i got a lot of inheritance because my mum died and then luckily my granddad died so i got the money and my old man was like as a 19 year old you know ponce like spunking all this money away so i went fair enough found out about scholarships went through First Point USA. They help you do take the, um, the SAT, get your papers in order and everything like that. And then they put your footage out there. So then like um, colleges could reach out to you. Um, Sean Regan was one of those individuals that reached out to me. And so what is that? How does he get, how does he convince you to come to Bethany? Because to be fair to Sean Regan, he's a fantastic person a good football coach, but he's a better salesman. Um, I was under the guise I was moving to Pittsburgh because apparently we're like 25 minutes from Pittsburgh as the crow flies. And if you have a motor vehicle, which I didn't. So, but yeah, I realized I fucked up when we started, not fucked up. I'm very, very grateful going to Bethany and I wouldn't change it but it wasn't going to be the experience that I thought it was going to be when we were driving from Pittsburgh airport, went to Primanti's, 
ate it from Manti. So I was like, fuck me, this is about to be the life. Was drinking beer, was chilling with Sean, talking football. He was telling me that all the other English lads at Wheeling Jesuit would get together and hang out. Never met those fuckers, but that's neither here nor there. I'm not bitter. And then he then proceeded to drive me through Follensbury, Wellsburg, into the mountains. And I was like, you're a lying piece of shit, but fair play to you. <laughs> but no, fair play to Sean Regan. He knows how to sell a place, you know. So let's talk about, we get so much to unpack in your time at Bethany. Um, let's talk about first the academic side. What was the academic change for you? Was there any change? Was, was the academics here harder, easier? What was it like uh, for you coming through classes? To be honest, I've, a lot of the classes, especially like where it being a liberal arts school, obviously we had to do a plethora of courses in each discipline, like religion and um, bio, like biology, like biology was shit we had to learn in England. And it really was one of those was like, what is the purpose of the heart? What are the four chambers? And it was like, wow, shit, this is, um, I'm gonna be a doctor one day if it's this fucking easy at college, okay. you know? But although it was hard for others, like Emmett Dwyer once had the famous quote that we uh, breathe in carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen. That, that was a genuine quote from him and he truly fucking believed it. But he's a very, very special boy. We all know this, you know, a man of, to achieve what he has with the limited educational capacity that he has and social capacity, I'm truly impressed that that man is now, you know, actually on IMDB and doing videos and films and shit like that. So it shows that, you know, Bethany College can take those that can't spell their own name and make them into movie producers. And if that isn't a great advertisement for this college, I don't know what the fuck is. Well, you bring up movies. You and I worked on a movie here at Bethany. I uh, won an award. Yeah, you won an award. I'm going to be honest with you. Your performance was a little wooden. Uh, it was, do I feel that, you know, you and Eric Sproles are like, that should have won? A hundred percent. But I understand it's politics. This is the acting business. We get it. You know, it is what hey, it is. I wasn't. I wasn't out here. This was not the role that you explained to me when you brought me on for the project. So let's just say who a salesman. Your fucking project. What are you talking about? You. It was. I wasn't even in that class. It was you, Jack, um, and two other people. And you go, bro. I need you to help me out. Okay. And I show up, and we're doing a we're doing a movie about me at Bethany, but with women's studies. And I had to wear that awful wig. You made okay, me that was wig. No, firstly, it was already your wig, and you went, guys, guys, I think it would be really good, like, for authenticity, if I was to wear a wig in this. And I was like, all right, Carlo, you do what you got to do. That was all your decision. You had the creative right, freedom to do whatever you no, wanted. No, I did have the creative freedom. You were in charge. That, look, if you, I'm fine. If you want me to fall down on that, that's fine. But you've still got that wig. I've seen you out in that wig still. Nobody's filming you to wear that wig, but that's cool. No, but that's because I'm losing all the hair on top of my head, so I got to make sure there's yeah, fucking No, yeah, please, tell me about it. I'm aware, yeah. Oh, no, fucking... Oh, cry me a fucking river, you. <laughs> so, 
let's let's move into the social aspect of Bethany College because you and I spent a lot of time. The first time Daryl and I actually spoke was across the bar from each other at Bubba's. I bought Daryl a drink and made that mistake. He yelled at me for buying him a drink and bought me a drink. And we proceeded for the next four hours to not thank each other for drinks, but just continue to buy drinks for ourselves. Back and forth, back and forth. We probably spent 50 bucks a piece. Just get him another drink, get him another drink. And accomplishment. But there's uh, also the Daryl experience. There was, for those of you that went to school with Daryl, uh, sometimes he got excited. And uh, one time I was outside the bar and Daryl was outside the bar and somebody said the wrong thing to him. And he turned around and he, he yelled a profanity and said, I'm going to fight you. And then walked up to me and goes, no, not you and not Christian, you, and he chased the kid down the street and then came back like five minutes later. Don't know what happened. I'm sure that they had a very, I'm sure you guys had a great conversation, right? You just tried to figure out what the differences were. Sometimes it's just like misunderstandings in the communication and therefore, you know, you find that if you are to get a vigorous workout in beforehand, you are then able to, you know, have the acumen to then discuss void of any passion or any you know so that was the purpose of that yeah but let's be honest i was a complete fucking wanker in college i'm still a wanker now but i'm not a complete fucking wanker i would had a lot of issues that i dealt with you know via alcohol and obviously not other substances because who does that but you know it, but no i was a profound wanker and it's and i've been working on carlo you know not going to therapy, but you know. Fuck oh, hey, we all worked in our own ways. Oh, sweet as enough. Yeah, no, I was a cunt in college. I'm aware of that. You know, is I had a lot of issues. I brought them to America with me. I tried to deal with them in school, and I did. You know, my ex girlfriend at the time was an absolute fucking saint for putting up with all my fucking bollocks. Like, but that's how we grow. You know, that's maturity. When what? For the social aspect compared to being in, in, in England, what would the what was it like for you and Bethany? Because you had a group. I mean, there was a group of you, of you, you your pond crop pond hoppers, I think is something that Chuck called you guys. I never understood what that meant, but I'm assuming it you, what was that? He called you a pond hopper. Oh, a pond hopper, because apparently yeah, you, you jump across the pond. Yeah. You know? So Great American banter. You lot kill it. Oh, my God. The level of banter. Talk to me about 1776. One more fucking time. Honestly, good for you. Well done. A fucking entire nation worked out that a tiny fucking empire was spread throughout the fucking world. And you fuckers went, you know what? I reckon if we got all our pitchforks together, these seven English cunts that are still here, we could oust them. And you want to talk about the Boston Tea Party shit. And now you cunts, Want to fucking drink our tea? It picked that like, just there hasn't been a better empire ever. Did they have some shit that they shouldn't have done? Of course. But oh, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. what about Rome? What about Rome? They were pretty good. Oh, you want to talk about Rome? We're talking about the 1400s, brother. I'm talking about the 18 and 1900s. What are you talking about? Name me a better empire since. Name one. Why? Because there hasn't been one. So let's get back to let's get back to your time at Bethany. So 
soccer. How does soccer go for you when you come here? Um, love the experience, love the training. It was definitely like one of the more professional outfits that I've like, been a part of, you know, training every day, uh, watching film and stuff like that. The problem we were, had was that we just weren't very good, which didn't make it as, you know, we made the playoffs the first season, but we very much relied on the prowess of Ark and Lamine, you know. But then when you play football like that, they knew where we were going every time. So we would defend for 90 minutes and we'd go, all right, let's lump it up the pitch to Ark and Lamine. Teams can then just fucking double up on them. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it got really fucking depressing because it was just like you defend for 90 minutes, concede four, maybe score two if you're lucky. And it was just, it wasn't a great experience in that regard. But no, I wouldn't like, in regards to like locker room shit, we had such a good group of lads. Like we're all still fucking mates now. And I would rather that than, you know, a packed championship. But don't get me wrong, fair play to those lads that fucking won this year, fucking two right. Looked like they played fantastic football, attractive football. Frank Guitar was fucking changed the game there, mate. Like, has he been there two seasons now? Three. 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 Is, well, if you it's hard to say what you want to count because of the COVID year. You know, it was a shortened season, it was in the spring, but it is technically three. No, it's technically not a season. So the first full season that he's had with his boys to do what they did. You know, and they seem like I've seen on Instagram, they seem like they all have fucking great culture around each other. They've got their own little fucking crew. I love seeing that shit. Because at the end of the day, is like championships are great and everything like that. But the fucking friendships and stuff like that they're going to build from that. You know, I'm still mates, like very close mates with about fucking 10 of the lads on the team. You know, at each other's weddings, fucking... Some of them are stupid enough to make me godfather of their children. You know, that's that's the shit that stands the test of time, you know. So, fuck the records and all that shit. I wouldn't change it in, in that regard, you know. Regrettably, I just had to adopt some Cindy Lou looking motherfucker, Callum Appleby, who seems like, you know, he's basically my son. You know, I'm saying it now. Like, he's followed in my footsteps, you know. I became a lawyer. He became a lawyer, you know. I'm not taking credit for everything he did, but that kid would not be where he is today if it wasn't for me. And I say that unequivocally. And the only reason I'm doing this is that it's chronicled in time by the power of YouTube that Callum Appleby remembers that I'm his fucking daddy. That's all I give a shit about. Like, this this is the whole reason I'm here. We can end the podcast now and then just post it because we're done. Callum Appleby, sorry, I'm going to give him his full, like, no. Callum Muriel Appleby, a.k.a. Cindy Luhu, I'm your fucking daddy, and you owe me everything that you've achieved in your life. Do you want to cut the podcast now, or do you No, want- no, no, we'll keep going just for... No, no, no worries, sweet, all right. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be more of these, so... <laughs> Is there anybody else, relationship-wise, or friends that you've... you've the friendships that you've built about me that you'd like to talk about? Uh, Tyler Davis, I owe pretty much everything to that man. Um, very much my counselor, my confidant, my therapist. Um, 
But yeah, if he didn't go to law school, I wouldn't have gone to law school because I didn't know that we could go to law school. He just told me that he was taking the LSAT once. And I was like, what the fuck's that? And he was like, let's say you get into law school. I was like, cool, let's do that then. You know, and any time that when I was undocumented and shit over the past years, I could crash on his couch. I crashed on Cindy Lou Who's couch, you know, and that's the shit, like, that's the level of relationship that I was able to get out of people from... Bethany, you know, like Casey Clements family, fuck me, like they stayed with them for three months, lived in their basement, which had a pool table and a bar, terrible idea, and studied for the bar, absolutely smashed the bar because they they gave me the opportunity to live there, you know, and it's, I'm going to go see them for Thanksgiving, it's like those relationships, like that's family to me, like Casey Clements' mother is my fucking American adoptive mother, you know, that, that those are the people that have been there through fucking, and they have no right to it either. Like I went to Casey's the first Thanksgiving when I was here, never met him before. And it was just like, yeah, you can stay on around. So you don't know who the fuck I am. Come stay, like gave me a bed, come here, you know. And, it's, and that's the one thing I would say that's fundamentally different between American culture and English culture is that Americans are so much more hospitable than English, you know. I couldn't imagine in, inviting a fucking stranger into my house over Thanksgiving, you know, but that's like what I'm profoundly fucking grateful for, you know, is like those relationships and, you know, we've all got fucking shitty stories from Bethany and shit like that, but fuck me, I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for those relationships that I forged in Bethany, you know. Well, so we've gotten to that point. I want to ask you, are there any experiences down at Chambers General Store that you'd like to share before I send it to the man that makes the breakfast sandwiches? Uh, Chambers, those fucking breakfast sandwiches are bomb. I'm going to fucking go back just purely for those. Uh, is it the breakfast? But also they do their specialities. Like they do the hoagies and shit. Like yep. those fucking fire. And but soups? Yeah, no, personally, I would do a meatball hoagie with um, a pack of chips at your own discretion. Uh, beer at your own discretion and a joint that not CBD but probably like an indica I would probably roll a J with indica because then you're like a little bit more subdued and that's I think that they do that special now like I'm pretty sure that that's what you're about to promote is the indica meatball hoagie special that's well, right Darryl, it's called the Daryl Fenton oh okay cool gotcha yeah we got it named after you after you left well, I appreciate it yeah. yeah we do what we can but uh, this has been so far the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour with Daryl Fenton, class of 2015. I got to send it to Barry Chambers, Chambers General Store, because if you came to Bethany and didn't stop at Chambers, you didn't actually come to Bethany. Um, you can stop in if you're in town. They have t shirts. One says, if they don't have it, you don't need it, which is factual. The other shirt is the third edition of the Mushroom Capital of the World shirts. You can get, as Daryl mentioned, the specials Monday through Friday, soups breakfast sandwiches, biscuits and gravy, and all the other things that Chambers has to offer. Uh, but I am Carla Guadagnino. This is Daryl Fenton, class of 2015. This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour, and we'll be right back. While you're in Bethany, make sure you stop in the store for a daily lunch special breakfast sandwiches all day, try out the biscuits and gravy, guaranteed it'll fill you up, and also look for our new 
burnt orange chambers if we don't have it you don't need it t-shirts and our psychedelic green third edition bethany mushroom capital of the world t-shirts now back to you dingo What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carla Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. Merry Christmas to everybody watching. My guest, Daryl Fenton, class of 2015. Uh, Daryl, we left off talking about Bethany, and I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that my first ever in-person interview way back in 2015, I believe, uh, Daryl had his first professional fight boxing match here in America, and... I, we interviewed him before it, and if I can find the clip, I will insert it here at some point. But what was boxing like out here? Because that was what that was a way you paid through, like you paid your bills and, and whatnot, right? Yeah, mate. It was honestly like it was so much fucking fun. Like I've always boxed, and but like at lower level in England, I used to do like unlicensed bare knuckle shit and everything like that. That was my first ever experience of like boxing professionally. No trainer, no idea, no clue what the fuck I was doing, but I was getting paid. And it's also like the amount of memories that like Casey would come, Callum would come, Tyler would come, you know, they'd be very disappointed as I refused to throw punches during these fights because I was trying to box. I would have been better off just going in and fucking throwing haymakers. But I was like, no, I'm going to be a boxer and I'm going to. It's like, yeah, the whole part of boxing is that you throw something back at you too, Bob Cunt. But I forgot that aspect of it. I was very good at getting hit. Just hitting other people wasn't really in my wheelhouse. That was kind of the issue. But, like, some of the lads that I've I got to fight against have gone on to, like, fight in Vegas and fight big names and shit like that. And I've got videos and photos that just, like, commemorate that. So, for me, it's just, like, the experience was fucking fantastic, you know, to be in, I think it was the Wells Fargo Arena and have five, whatever the fuck, amount of people there. <coughs> Sorry, that's my cancer. <sighs> uh, don't smoke. Uh, <laughs> as a professional boxer, I would say it's all about fitness and a healthy diet. But no, I remember I was like saying, I was going to the guy, I was like, do not announce that I'm from England. Say I'm from Bethany, West Virginia. And he went, and fighting out of the red corner, fighting out of London, England. Booze. Just booze. There's nothing like having your head fucking caved in for 16 minutes while everyone chants USA. It's a really good fucking experience. <laughs> really do start to question your life decisions that you made. It's like, USA. <laughs> it was, yeah. That was a poor decision, but also made a grand. So, you know, it was worth it. So, uh, you, like the rest of us, you took that damn test to get out of Bethany. Uh, any, anything you want to, first off, were, were you a winner or a spring convert? Uh, I believe I was spring, which is even worse. Because the fear is, I, I know I've passed my classes, but I've got this arbitrary bullshit test about everything that I didn't study and got fucking bees on to now then rehash, you know. But yeah, it's it, it's like anything. It's fucking pain in the ass and it's a marathon. You just have to be competent. It was very much like doing the bar. Like when you do the legal bar, it's, you don't have to excel at one. You just have to be competent at all. You know, like I'm apparently competent at tax law 
even have no fucking interest in going into tax law. Like, doesn't really much make much sense. But that's another issue with the bar. You know, Florida bar, well, the bar process and legal aspects has its own issues with money. You know, a glass ceiling over all those that wish to aspire to be lawyers but are unable to do so because it costs thousands of fucking dollars to be. But that's none of my fucking business. Anyway, I got sidetracked. That's the concussions. I apologize. But yeah, no, the bar was fun. Like, uh, like start, uh, studying for comps was good because me and Casey Clements would legit just go to the library every day. We'd have several subjects that we both had and then we'd go play NHL hockey and in the evening and chill. So it was like, it was pretty chill that was working at our own discretion. But I, I do think it's unnecessary. I get why they do it because we're a liberal arts school and all that shit, but I think it really is like, if these kids are paid hundreds of thousands of fucking dollars and amass a shitload of credits to then put that extra pressure on. Plus you've already got the pressure of like, what am I going to do after fucking college and like getting a job and how am I going to pay off all these fucking loans? You know, you bring that up. So what was the next step for Daryl after you walk across the stage? What is life like once you leave the bubble? I went to law school in DC. I went to University of District Columbia, David A. Clark School of Law. Um, they're like a social justice driven school. I got into um, Duquesne and American, but their scholarship, even with their scholarship, I would have had to have paid about 40 grand a semester or something stupid. So it was just, it weren't worth it. UDC, they sorted me out with full ride, which was great because as an international student, you have to prove financially that you have the funds to be able to do so. I had no money. So I only had to pay my living expenses. So I was able to get my um, visa that way. But also the great thing about my school, it's not really that highly nationally ranked, but they prep us with their clinics. You will actually do trials while still in law school as opposed to just, you know, reciting case law and shit like that. So, so it's very hands-on. Yeah, oh, incredibly. You know, like I represented kids in uh, in DC. There was, uh, it was, they actually made like national papers. They were pushing through kids that were not attending school. They was also expelling kids at a higher rate due to their race. And because they had a lottery system because DC is still very segregated but they'd have kids come from other neighborhoods into places like more prestigious, like Georgetown and shit like that. And because they found them a nuisance, they would expel them immediately. So we'd almost do like these mini administrative um, criminal cases where it'd be like, they punished this kid, they expelled him for acting like a fucking child in school. You know, so that's kind of organically, that's kind of how I got into criminal defense, you know, was just seeing how people were being fucked over Sometimes, I don't know if you know, in America, you have a little bit of a race problem. I don't know if he was aware of this. I don't know if you've seen the news recently. It's, it's, it's been, it's been, and everybody's, mm -hmm. it's, it's not a problem, it's a problem. Um, so you said how you had to pay for your living expenses. How did you, because I know from your social media, you were, at one time you were dog walking and house sitting mm -hmm. and, and other things. So how did you? Man, Baby, we'd be hustling. hustling, anything, you name it, we'd fucking do it. I say I was a bouncer 
became a bartender, then became a bar manager at Rock and Roll Hotel DC, which is now closed down. Nothing to do with me. Was a bartender at the Queen Vic, which was an English pub down the street. I worked on a boat during the pandemic when I was undocumented because I couldn't do bar work because all construction and bar work shit, obviously because of the pandemic was done. And one of my regulars was like, I've got a boat. Do you know anything about boats? I was like, brother, do I know anything about boats? They call me Boaty McBoatface. Like, honestly, like, I know it all. Didn't know fuck all. So I'm just, not a fucking nothing. Like, to be honest, he was paying me $30 an hour and I completely fucked that boat up. But, you know, bills got paid and his boat <laughs> didn't sink. So everyone's a winner. You know. So how do you end up here in Miami? How do you end up? How does that all transpire? I got the job at the public defender's office back in 2018, but there was some immigration issues. So I was unable to accept the job. They weren't able to sponsor me. So then I had to find another means to get my visa. But in that time, it took a few years. So that's why I was still like, bouncing, boxing, bartending, you know, just anything to make ends meet and shit like that. But no, it um it was definitely worth it. I love my job. I love like Miami's fucking paradise. It's hot as bollocks in fucking November. It's sweating me nuts off right now. You know, they got very, very good food here. I don't know if you know they got tacos and shit. And they've also got very good uh have you had a colada before? I have not. So, like, a colada's like this big, it's like a Cuban coffee, and it's essentially crack, cocaine, and jet fuel, and you will do, like, a shot of it, and you'll be up for days. It's fucking... And costs a dollar. Oh, so it's, it's affordable. It's very, very affordable, you know. The only problem is, is no one really speaks English out here, and this is America, where we speak English. Because this is where the fucking nation of England fucking came to later. And then 1776, yada, yada, yada. Go fuck yourself. Still not over it. I'm still hurt. Yeah, but uh, you're in a state that was Spain. It wasn't even England. So we were Spain's daddies as well, okay? The Spanish Armada came to our fucking coast and they got a backhander. That's what happened. They came to our coast and we went, no. Get back to Spain. Go have a siesta. And that's what happened. But no, it's... <coughs> as a kid, I always wanted to move to Barcelona. And bizarrely, like Miami is the closest thing to live in. Obviously, I'm living in a foreign country, but this is the closest that I've come to like living in a foreign country. And, you know, it's nothing like going down Cayo Ocho, which is like little Havana. And it's all amazing food, coffee shops, cigar places, fucking... Cuban music and fucking like people playing on the street and shit. Like it's no, it's fucking paradise, bro. So and you could have came here. I offered to pay your flight and you were like, no, Daryl, I don't want to leave West Virginia. And that's that's, that's not how that conversation went. <laughs> um, so you're also still involved in boxing. Yeah, I was slapping my mate around the other morning, which I posted on Instagram. It's definitely worth a watch. It's hilarious. I have no respect for him whatsoever. I dropped my hands. Matt Gibney, 
you're also a pussy. I'm your daddy. So um, he's actually meant to be coming around this evening. So I'll tell him in person. But yeah, um, I'm probably trying to do like the knuckle stuff out here because the problem with boxing is that the rounds are longer. Uh, with the gloves, the punches are more concussive. When you do bare knuckle, it just cuts you up. It's less concussive and you'll get dropped immediately. As opposed to boxing, you'll get hit with several concussive punches, but you can stay on your feet. Yeah. So, you know, that that's where we see, like, the problems that people are having, you know, with CTE and stuff like that. It's the same in American football. How often do we see that? Like, that's... That's what Spartans and Warriors do. It's the fight. You know, a guy gets rocked, goes head-to-head with someone, he's there the next play. That guy does not need to fucking be in there, you know. No. And he's kind of... But I don't know. I know, especially in the NFL, they're trying to address it. But I think with some of these sports, it's like risk-rewards. You know, these are fucking warfare sports. Yeah. You know, you know what you're fucking signing up to. You you know going in what the sport comes. You know that's why one loved Junior Sau. He was a fucking warrior, but it comes at a fucking price. You know these are the guys that every down, head down, fucking hit everybody as hard as they can. But it's the payoff at the end of the day. You know so, but no, that's I'll probably do a little bit more bare knuckle, and then I'm probably going to call it a day as well because I'm thirty and old as shit. So. I can't keep it. Also, the amount I'm smoking, copious amounts of cigarettes. Like, is this episode sponsored by a Camel Crush? I'm just curious because it's I not, feel, but, but we could maybe. 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 I'm even sorting you out, mate. I'm even sorting you out with new promotions. So, you have that little camel come through. We need to get that camel that used to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> the, the camel that would walk around. Like a normal, like a normal like a, person. Oh, the good old days, mate, where you could give a camel a cigarette and no one would. Peter wouldn't get involved. Oh my god, the good times. Where the fuck are my cigarettes? Um. So I have two questions. You played Division Three athletics. Yep. Which, what? Also, before you finish this question, can I just really appreciate and I'm going to acknowledge what a fantastic interviewer you are. For the fact that you have this stream, like, like we know where this conversation is meant to be going, and I go, we're going in this direction. You go down, come back here. We're gonna go back this way. I do right. what I can to keep it where it's supposed to be. I know you got a script, and it's very hard when I'm just like, let's talk concussion protocols in the NFL. Let's do that. Like, we've so- like, race relations, <laughs> oh fucking American Revolution. We won that. Just pointing it out, we did win. Allegedly. How did it turn out for you? How's it working out right now? Things good? No. Things going well for you. Are things great? Wait a minute. Are things great in England? What's that? Oh, fucking so good, mate. Oh, just a load of people walking around in rain, drinking warm beer, eating gravy. What more could you want? That's the fucking, that's as good as life gets. Okay. So, as a Division Three athlete, why would you recommend for someone that is in England or overseas to come to play in division in the specifically in division three? If you're not going pro, then you go division three at the end of the day. It's as simple as also if you're going pro because of the scouting systems that we have now, you'll know you're going pro in fucking high school. So it doesn't really matter. You know, 
at the end of the day, the reason I think you play Division Three is because you still love your sport. It's an elevated, you know, I got to play like the MPSL shit, like the semi-pro bollocks in the summers. You get that experience, you get like, you know, play in front of fans, you get that camaraderie, but you're under no illusion that you're not going to go fucking pro bet. Simultaneously, you're getting a fucking education. Mm-hmm. Also, you're at a smaller school, so you can actually build real fucking relationships. You're not going to have to go to all these fucking frat parties where you don't know no one and shit like that. And the one thing that I was grateful for is that genuinely like the education that I got Bethany enabled me to go to do what I'm doing now, you know? And then also I got all the great fucking memories and all the great relationships with my teammates and stuff like that. So that's why you should go as opposed to going D1. Also, if you're going to, if you're meant to go D1, you will go D1 because they're knocking down your fucking door in high school. Yeah. You know, we know who, like, I don't think it was ever a consideration for LeBron James when he was going, do I, you know, do I go to the league or do I go? No, you're just, you're just going. Like, you're that good, you know. So, but at the same time, if you're one of those kids that's on the cusp and you still want to pursue it, go D3, get more footage, get your fucking credits up, and then you can transfer if need be, you know. But One, and lastly... On this wild ride that this has been, if you were selling Bethany to someone, tell me why someone should come to Bethany. I'll just ask you my fucking drink. Fuck. Two seconds. Hold on. <laughs> the reason you should go to Bethany is truly for the fact that you do get actual real education. You're going to sit in the back of the fucking class and get a C just by signing papers. You are going to be tested in your classes. You're going to actually have a good relationship with your fucking professors, you know, and they're actually going to shape you and mould you. Pat Sutherland did, you know, 100%. Like, even Eric Sproul's, like, I've always been interested in media, but he really did push in that respect, you know. You're going to get to know your professors, you know, even fucking Mort Gamble. Like, he he helped me get through the law school process because he was an attorney, you know, like, they, you will have a genuine fucking intimate relationship with these people who will shape you. Also, secondly, it really is that the relationships you're going to make with your friends there is one that isn't going to be at any fucking D1 school whatsoever, you know, because you're not just getting fucked up with these people on Fridays and Saturday nights. You're spending your fucking daytimes with them. You're going because there's not a lot to do there. So therefore, all you can do is be compelled to talk with your mates and fucking have a few drinks and like truly get to know fucking people. And those relationships and that fucking kind of like genuine hands-on approach to teaching is what is going to fucking shape you, you know? And also the beauty of it is it's like, the fact that it's a liberal arts college is you get to dabble in shit that you enjoy, you know, like I got to do creative writing there. I got to do fucking, well, we even did a few bits and bobs with you in regards to like the shows and whatnot. So I, Bethany is definitely a special place. I would never do another four years at it, you know, but like when people do four years in prison, sometimes they come out a different person for the better and like, I wouldn't liken it to prison, but it's hard to get out of, motherfucker. You know, but it's Who are you telling it's hard to get out of? You know better than anybody now. 
in me for a fucking water. So. <laughs> Uh, I think that's a good place to stop. Daryl, thank you very much for being you, being who you are, taking us on this journey. From are we still going? We're still going. We're oh, shit, my bad. I was we're still going. Right. I just got to wrap it up, that's all. But for those of you that are, if you're just joining us now, man, did you miss a lot? But this is Daryl Clinton, class of 2015. I am Carla know This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. Make sure you check us out on Twitter. Instagram and TikTok at Dingo Talk. The Instagram is the Dingo. The Instagram is Dingo underscore Talk. TikTok is Dingo Talk. Hit subscribe. Watch the previous video here. Watch the playlist of the alumni tour. Get in touch with Daryl if you want to hear more of his stories. Maybe we'll get him back on in a different in a different aspect. But again, I am Carla Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour, and we will see you next week, Chuckleheads. Oh, bye now. You wanna know by now, you wanna know by now, you wanna know, you wanna know.